Jennifer Dyer, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm so sure. excited. Yeah. I, I, the occasion of us getting back together is a happy one for me uh, yeah. and for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations. You are you. having another baby, and I'm sorry that it won't be me. Welcome. I'm Roxanne Spring, your personal midwife after hours, celebrating and promoting wisdom and power in pregnancy, birth, and beyond. So glad you tuned in today. We have a special program. We are in for a special treat. I present to you our very own local resident. Many of you may already know Jennifer Dyer. She has a great story how standing at the crossroads of completing her degree, she took the road less traveled and stands before us married to her high school sweetheart. They now have seven ch children between the ages of five and 20 and another one on the way. You may know them because they own and operate Hollyhock Farm, or you may know them because their kids go to parade. Whatever way you know them, I am delighted you're here and I'm sure you will be too. At your birth, but some other lucky midwife will be the one there. Yes. I've already spilled the beans that we have had babies together. But oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. What I want to have you begin with is just tell me your journey of how you came to learn about midwives and how midwives have played a part in your in your journey. Okay. Um, well. I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and um, went in. So, in the late 80s and early 90s, um, the midwifery scene in New Mexico really picked up. And I think New Mexico was one of the first places to have a nurse midwife. Um, designation at the hospitals so that was the first place where you could be a certified nurse midwife and um, the midwifery in Mexico was really good and it's always been a really important practice in New Mexico because of the poverty level there um, because midwifery has always been a lot more accessible to people of poverty um, and so um, yeah, so that was always kind of a strong group in the Albuquerque area. And then, um, when I, so, and, and I was always sort of in the realm of like the hippies and the, you know, um, very rustic people. And so I always knew that I really wanted to have a home birth and, um, I had friends that had had home births and, and back then that was so like remarkable, you know, that was so sensational. Oh, to have a home birth. Oh my gosh. Um, so, so when I got pregnant with my first child, um, I couldn't quite get my, my very conventional husband on board. <laughs> Uh, so we settled for the nurse, the, the compromise was to have a nurse midwife at the hospital. And so we did that. Um, and uh, after that experience, I said, I'll never have another baby in the hospital. That was so dumb. And I only want to have home birth. And, and so then that's what happened. Yeah. So Phil came around. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I was persuasive. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's, 
you have had a midwife then for all how many births? Let's share this. Uh, I've had four births mm -hmm. and now I'm expecting another one and I plan to have a midwife for this birth also. Although I'm 45 now, so I'm not sure what to expect. So I, I just want to be extra flexible, but I, my hope is that we'll have the midwife at home. Very good. And they, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, in our culture, they tend to make a big deal about being, oh, you know, the elderly patient, which is a joke. But anyway, <laughs> the the risks are mostly associated with the fact that you may have chronic health issues, which yes. clearly you do not, and it, it's also associated it is associated with a higher incidence of your eggs dividing differently so mm -hmm. the potential of having a child with down syndrome is is yes. more that right. that in and of itself is not a risk for having a birth at home depending on the how the baby is doing and all of those things and yet you are very good at following your intuition and, and very practical in getting the care. So I have every confidence and see you having a, a wonderful time. Yeah. 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 A healthy woman. Tell I can, um, go I, I just want to add, so I had my hospital birth with the nurse midwife in, and this was like 20 years ago. And, um, I was one of the first um, women, this was like the first year that they were having nurse midwives uh, at this hospital in New Mexico. And um, of all the women that went through the nurse midwifery program mm -hmm. at the hospital, um, only like three of us actually gave natural birth because being in the hospital um, just, people get pushed into things or they, you know, the, the, the drugs are there and they, they get encouraged to use them by the nurses. And, um, so I was, uh, after the, I had the baby, my midwife was like, Oh, it's so amazing. That was the first natural birth I've seen. And I was like, are you kidding me? What? Like, <laughs> that wow. is concerning. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am. I'm. I know that things have changed in a lot of ways, and they haven't yeah. in a lot of ways. No. Uh, I know that I personally, during a time when I was teaching nurses, worked to change that. Worked yeah. to change the way that nurses show up to support. People have a tendency to see what's familiar and assume that that's the best way. And the experiences yeah. that healthcare providers have had tend to frame their expectation of what those experiences look like. That's part of the reason I became a midwife in the very beginning. There was yeah. so little wholeness in how pregnancy and birth was viewed. Yeah. It, it really was hard to navigate and advocate for having a birth of your choice and a birth that was superior for your, the health of the mother and the baby. Yes. Without barring any other complications. Yeah. The challenge being too many complications are created because of the, because <laughs> in getting involved in trying to make something happen in a certain way adds mm -hmm. risk, adds risk. Yes. Yeah. Well, and then you did not just have children biologically, though. You also no. chose to enlarge your family. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Okay. Um, so we had our first two children, and I said, I said, well, we had our first one, and I said, I'm only having one. And then I, after he was a little bigger, I was like, well, maybe he needs a friend. Okay, okay, we'll have two. We're only having two. So then we had our two and number two was about almost three years old. And I said, I tried to go back to school to finish my degree. And um, it was a disaster. Like I couldn't, it just, 
my whole life was entwined with caring for my children and I had a really hard time um, prioritizing getting back to school and um, I knew I could do it if I could just get it going and have it be part of my routine but um, the first thing that happened was I, I missed the tuition deadline and they unenrolled me from all my classes and so then I said I can't I can't re-enroll in the classes I wanted because they're filled up now. And you know what I was like, I was just like, I don't want to play that game anymore. I'm so sick of school, you know, forget it. This is not right. You know? Uh So it was a real, like God sending me a little message, like, no, don't go back to school. And so then, um, so I made that choice of, okay, I, I just need to be a mom right now. That's, that's my whole job. My husband is able to support our family. I'm just going to be a mom. And when I made that choice, suddenly it's like I gave myself permission to be a mom. And um, I didn't know that was a, a thing that I could do. I didn't know that was a career choice. <laughs> and um, But once I kind of like realized that and gave myself that permission and my husband was so supportive, I then suddenly I was like, I want a bigger family. This is what I really want. Like, this is my heart's desire. Mm. And so then we started, I, so then I said, I want to have another child. And so we tried for like three years and we just could not get pregnant. So then I said, well, I still want children in my life. I build up these parenting skills. I think I can do this well. And I want children in my life, so I want to do foster care. So we became foster parents. And then, um, so it was probably like four years after. So by then, my daughter was like seven, and my son was 10. Mm-hmm. And the first placement, because it takes a while to get your foster license and all that. Um, so the first placement we had was a two-month-old baby. And... Um, she came to live with us and it she's those babies are those babies that come from trauma are really hard babies and that is that's mostly why their parents lose them is they are they're they might have some brain damage from fetal alcohol syndrome or just poor prenatal care but they are very hard babies and it was the most stressful time of my entire life having that baby, that traumatized baby in our house for like, you know, the first two or three months. So, of course, that's the time that I got pregnant. So then. <laughs> and so God then, laughs. You make your plans and God laughs. <laughs> I know, right? And so then, um, so then we had a baby. So now, so when that baby was born, that was number my third biological baby. Then the um, we were still doing foster care, um, and then we ended up adopting that two month old when she turned five. But in the meantime, I had that third biological baby, and then I decided to go ahead and get try to get pregnant with another one right away because because the foster you know we were doing foster care and there's no guarantee that you can adopt that baby Mm -hmm. even though she Mm -hmm. had been with us for you know a few years we didn't adopt her till she was five so any time within that time she could have gone back to her biological family which Mm -hmm. would have been it wouldn't have been safe for her and and the caseworkers understood that and so she she we ended up adopting her but anyway so then we had five We had the five kids, so we had two waves. We had the the (laughs) first two, and then we had the three toddlers. And then, yeah, and then I a few years went by, and I said, I still I want to adopt. I just it's in my heart. We've done this foster care. I know I have these skills. I feel like we have a lot to give, and. I know how to do this mom thing really well. We have a really good structure in our home and our family. So um, I convinced my husband that we should adopt again, and we did. And we brought home uh, last November two boys, an eight-year-old and a, a, no, they were seven and 
no, let's see, eight and six when they moved in with us. And so um, they came to live with us and sort of the same thing happened. I'm 45. I stopped using birth control because I was like, statistically, I will not get pregnant. But now we brought those two new babies into the house and and I got my body was like, oh, new babies, it's time. <laughs> Even though they're not really babies, those boys, you know, they're like my new babies. So, yeah. So, yeah, now we're pregnant. Fascinating. Now, the ones that you're, you're, you brought them in is, oh, you've adopted them? Are they adopted or they're foster parenting? We're not foster parenting this time. I'm just doing adoption, but I'm adopting from foster care. And I think we'll be um, officially, they will be officially adopted in October. There's a law that says they have to live with us six months before the adoption process can happen. I got it. So the adoption process will happen in May, and then it will. we have a court date for October. So, yeah. Jennifer, there's so much in what you just shared with us, but what I'm sitting here and reveling in and treasuring and wanting to bring forward is that whole notion that motherhood is a profession it yes yes people do not give it that high respect no and that is so counter intuitive yeah i know there is any graduate kind of program that anybody goes through i'm gonna swear that it's not as intense as motherhood what do you think i agree um and i believe in it so much like i have so many skills that the average like schlep just does not have you know like i I can do a lot. I'm very organized. My kids have trained me in so many ways. I've, I know how to deal with every kind of personality now, you know, like I, those are like really valuable skills. And I'm, it's, it's disheartening that people don't respect that and, and value these like people in our community that, that bring this depth of knowledge to everything they do. Yeah. Exactly. I believe that it's much more valued, particularly in the communities that do choose to run a farm and to be locally strong, grow their food, run a farm. I believe that there's more of a recognition about the importance and there's less there's just the, the the in mainstream society they think well you have washer you have a dryer you have a you know have all these modern conveniences really what is there for the woman to do right <laughs> right <laughs> but doesn't it seem like in those community in the communities like you have you are you guys have this beautiful hollyhock farm right Hollyhock Farm. I just saw that you have a store. I just saw a little yeah. sign when I was driving by. I was like, I have to go to the Hollyhock store. I haven't been there. I've bought eggs before, but I didn't. It wasn't written up as a storefront. Yeah, oh, that's so exciting. Absolutely. That's yeah, so that's exciting. our new endeavor. So yeah. the farm store. Yes. Um, yeah, and I think well, especially I guess I feel like you know. So I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and I've traveled to other countries. Um, I, it's just, it's a really hard thing. It's almost like the more, the more equality women have, the less, um, motherhood is valued or celebrated, I guess I feel like. Um, and that's such a weird thing. Like, why can't we celebrate women's fertility? Like, when do we get to do that? Like, why can you only be a a successful woman if you, if you've broken through the glass ceiling and you've got the job, you know, and like, I, I just hate that we can't honor women's, women's fertility and sexuality. And I, um, 
And then the places that do honor that, women have no power. So it's this weird, like, you can't win thing. And I don't, like, I'm, and I guess I'm thinking, like, um, maybe, like, in Mexico. Like, in, in Mexico, my experience, having lived in New Mexico and, and being close to the border and seeing Mexican families and growing up around that, um, they were very, very faithful people, um, a lot of Catholic faith. And then they they were all about the family. I mean, the family was everything. But the women didn't, the women had their own power within that, you know, but really um, not in the job realm or, you know, in, in, so it was very, it's either one or the other. Can't, dichotomy, right? Well, yeah. from my viewpoint, when I was with my littles many moons ago, many, many moons ago, and it was popular to be the women's lib movement, if you would, was yeah. gaining momentum or however I would like to look at it. I just said, you know what? I feel complete with this baby at my breast. I feel complete as a mother and as a woman. And it did appear to me that the women were rather than doing things in women's ways, they yes. were, like you said, entering into competing, you know, like in, yeah. but, but, but competing with the attitude of we're going to be like you. And yeah. that disturbed me at the time as well. It really did. For me, I've always and continue to know the, the ones, the, the motherhood and feminine ways are very important to the healing of our planet. I'm just going to say yeah. it that way. I'm just like, going to say it that way. Women's traditions. Like, we don't yes. ever talk about women's traditions, but a lot of parts of our culture are women's traditions. They're not um, pushed on us by men, you know, mm -hmm. but somehow the power of women's traditions have been kind of, uh, the power has been taken out of those things. And we've been kind of fed this idea that men have oppressed us with all these things. And, you know, like, I don't know, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about that in the last few years with um, a lot of the cultural changes going on. Mm -hmm. And I believe, I just, oh, please excuse mm, me. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Yeah. I, so I just, I really want to focus. And now I have um, four girls right now. So I really want to be a good role model for them. I want to identify those women's traditions and maximize them and just be proud. And that, um, I'm, you know, not going to let go. I'm not going to not going to change my my womanly ways and motherhood is a big part of that and i'm going to celebrate motherhood and all the things yeah so right well that was the time that we connected it had been it had been i think a, a couple of years when we connected at the women's circle again oh, yeah. and it had been a little bit of time since we'd been together women's circles oh they're so powerful it's, yes yeah, I agree yeah it's it and I do believe in this season uh, of uh, the development of our society and our world that women are become the, the divine feminine is becoming more a part of it and that oh. there is more respect for it that's what this seeks to do this specific program is have women stand in their power and it's not just about women i mean you know it's the whole family it's the it baby is. inside yeah. but it's also the baby inside it's the whole family and the whole family is empowered when you when you know each one of us living to that fullness of our power is what we all want yeah, I couldn't do anything I do without my husband. I honestly, exactly. I, I would be in a very different situation without the dynamic that we have and everything I have, we have built together. So the family is the top priority, that that marriage at the top and then the trickle down of 
all the wonderful things like just building that up is really important mm-hmm. yeah yeah it is so it isn't leaving out mail or or trying to say that there that there's a wrongness or a, or like you said a suppression or something like that it's just that there's becoming more of an emphasis on the balance on a balance and although it doesn't seem that way because it seems like the pro- polarity is magnified and like there's like yeah. so much division that's uh, there and yet right. I think that's the step in the direction of people recognizing, no, that's not where it's at. We don't want more yeah. division. We want more unity and we want and we want to recognize the the importance of having that mother and child, mother and children, mother in yeah. pl- in place, you know, and, and even well, even now moving towards having the family be together in the work and the play and the whole thing and that again comes circling back to the farm life for sure yeah yeah although i'm not ready to take on 20 acres and and and, and many creatures that's not my my husband my we do have a garden and we love our garden <laughs> and i would love to have a horse that i could ride and i would you know i have had times when we lived in a commune and had goats to milk and chickens and things like that life about you there's a lot of life about you yeah yeah there Mm. it's a lot of hard work though as well uh yeah yeah and i can say so when so we started farming in New Mexico. We just had like an acre of land, but we packed everything onto that acre and we were really dedicated to doing the sort of um, high density urban farm idea. Mm-hmm. And we were selling stuff at the farmer's market and it was a very sweet setup. Um, we decided to move so that was in new mexico and then we decided to move up here to the northwest to be closer to um uh my brother-in-law who is really our only other family member because we're a very small family or we were a very small family um and uh when we got up here we decided to buy as much acreage as close to seattle as we could afford and so that landed us in the snoqualmie valley Um, And we ended up with the 20 acres and it was a big leap from one acre to 20 acres. And that during that move, I was pregnant with my fourth child and my giantest child, because she was like 9.25, you know, pounds. And she, she was very heavy in my belly, but I, because that was our first year farming, and getting the property set up and trying to get things going, I worked really hard while I was pregnant. And then after the baby was born, I just had her like tied to my body and I would be out working and you know what? It doesn't work. Moms should not do that. There's a reason that men get out there and work. And at that time I was still this mindset that like I that I I wanted to be shoulder to shoulder with my husband and you know I could do as much as I could without neglecting my kids and everything and I did that but there was a toll on sort of my body and sort of my psyche and I could tell I just got really too like muscular in my upper body and it just didn't it wasn't good so So I don't, so there is a difference between men and women. We're not the same. We can't work the same. Mm -hmm. Moms, babies need moms. Babies need their mommy to just sit down, try not to be a man and just be a woman and like relax and just, you know. So I've shifted a lot of the responsibility of the farm onto my husband. And I focused a lot more on my kids now in the last couple of years. And that just has created a lot of a better dynamic between, 
I didn't realize it too, but my husband was feeling maybe a little bit threatened Mm -hmm. by me being shoulder to shoulder with him and having shifted some of that onto him, even though it's a little more work for him on the farm, he can do it and he's happier and I'm happier. I feel like my kids are getting the focus that they need and it's great. We got it. We figured it out. This takes that uh, work life balance to a, a different uh, level, doesn't it? You know, yeah. Having yeah. that balance of the types of work you do and, and again, coming back to the recognition of the importance of the holding space that the mother does for being yes. with the children. And there's, yes. I remember my mom saying that people always think that the time when you need to be with your children is when they're little, but there's never a time when you don't need to be with your children. It is not I, less magnified during teenage years, for darn sure. Even totally, it, it isn't. Yeah. It isn't necessarily as predictable when you're going to have those choice opportunities, those quality times. They're not as predictable, but you want to be there when the time is right. When they're yeah. ready to open up, then that's when you want to be there. Yeah. And that's important. Wow. Yes, so true. And it is helpful that you have, you have, like you say, you have both these, you have, what is it, completely balanced? Am I, let's see, you have one, two, three four girls don't you right now i have, I have four girls yes and, and with two with boys. The two yeah and yes. then three boys oh, yeah three boys yeah four five six seven right because you got just get to yeah. wow so it's almost equal well we'll see what this baby's gonna be who knows <laughs> i know let's see who this baby is going to be yeah but having your emphasis too on making sure that your daughter's have that sense of women's ways how can you give us an example of how that might be different than what other people have experienced or taught or been around or yeah can you give us an example of how you do that um how do i do that i try to okay um i i okay I I was a feminist, okay? Like, I was a hippie, and then I was, like, all about women's rights, and, and I still am. I am, but I am more about, but I'm not about, but I'm more about, I guess I'm more about motherhood and women's rights and, and getting women respected for their contributions. Um, for instance, this is a little off topic, but I went to the women's March, that big one that was in Seattle um, in like 2019, mm-hmm. the, the first huge women's March. Yes. Okay. I had a breastfeeding baby, like little seven month old or eight month old at the time. And um, is that right? Anyway, she was little, she was still breastfeeding. Um, but so, I took an umbrella stroller and I was the only person that I saw that had a stroller. And the fact that there were not more women in that parade with strollers was deeply upsetting to me. Where were the stroller moms? Mm-hmm. Where are those moms of babies? Did they not feel like they had a place in that March? Mm-hmm. That made me really mad. Like, how can we not, how are we not, how are we making women feel like children are an embarrassment and that having a stroller in a parade like that is not appropriate? Like I, I was very upset. And then also my umbrella stroller was like, I feel like people were embarrassed about it. Like, Oh, it's just this cheap little umbrella stroller and how tacky and, you know, like, why did you bring that? And I was just, I, I, you know, I really started to feel like that umbrella stroller was a symbol 
for women of poverty that have babies who are not included in any of these women's rights conversations. I just, the whole thing just kind of made me mad. Um, that was a very interesting march. I think a lot of people had a, a lot of different takeaways from that thing. And, and I think we've all stepped back and, and had a lot of thinking about it. So it was good that we all came together. And that's what I brought home from that was that feeling of, uh, yeah, we, you know, I knew that kind of mom's motherhood was not included in the feminist discussion, mm-hmm. but that really brought it to, uh, you know, that really brought it to a, um, it, it really uh, illustrated it for me. So anyway, um, okay, so how do I, so for my girls, so, so for years, uh, I did not shave my legs. And I did not wear makeup. Okay. And I've had to really think about, uh, I've started in the last years thinking about like, why don't I do that? Because my grandmothers always did that. I think that my, my great grandmothers probably didn't, but it's a, wearing makeup is a women's tradition from a long time back, like a really long time back. And not that I'm going to slather a lot of makeup on my face, but I don't want to make my girls feel like it's, it's, you know, I want them to feel feminine if they want to feel feminine. Like, I don't want to discourage that in them. Um, wearing dresses. Wearing dresses is a women's tradition. It's not something men have made us do. It is something women have been doing since the year, you know, 3000 BC or something. There's like women wearing skirts and dresses all the way back. Like it's a women's tradition. If we didn't like it, it would have changed somewhere in that history. It's not like men have oppressed us that much. Women find ways around oppression. Okay. Like all we always, you know, we figure it out. So, so some of those things that I've been sort of fed as I was growing up were the, you know, were oppressive things that were done to us and that you know mm-hmm. we shouldn't wear dresses and we should i don't know so i i've always heard it talked about i don't even know where the inception of it is but women don't dress up for men no they dress no. up because they enjoy dressing up and it's more something that you enjoy with your sisterhood or your other women friends. Oh, yeah. But it's yeah. just fun to get pretty. And there's different notions of what that is. Uh, yeah. And as you, but as the development of each young woman and young men goes on, as we go through the different phases of development where our peers become more important than our parents per se, and belonging is so important. There is this, there is this balance between finding what you are shining in because you simply love it, you enjoy it, you enjoy the way it feels, the looks, or whatever, and doing something just because that's what's done. There's the, there's the, a bit of a caution flag for me. It's like, do it to express yourself and not do it because that's what's being done. But, yeah. you know, that whole, the, yeah, the whole thing of do you, do you do this or do you do that? And being attentive to your daughters in that you want them to have that freedom. I love that. Yeah. You want just, them to yeah. have that freedom. I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not going to shut down... Um, anything pink that's not my not <laughs> or really purple my or yeah. purple or whatever color maybe <laughs> it's not my style but uh-huh. like my girls are all about pink tutus and oh, all yeah. of that oh that's great we do all that and then um i think uh i have sunday dinner every sunday for our family um for our extended family um this is solely something i put my energy into, I started it, I make it happen, and I put a nice tablecloth on the table, mm-hmm. I, I pull out the nice napkins, you know, we do have a set of china, I think those are women's traditions, 
My husband could give two, you know, flying geese, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Most men I know don't care about those kinds of details, but for me, that is part of what makes the day special, and my kids love it. So I will just, that's a women's tradition. I will keep flaunting. We'll do that one. Um, yeah, so I try to think of what my grandmothers did that was, you know, that, that were not men's traditions that they were doing. And I, and I try to bring those back and and have those. So, yeah. I love it. And then I would love to just strategize for a moment with you. How could, how could we begin to transition the notion or the having a future women's march where strollers uh, in mid in the midwifery arena there's going to be strollers no matter where we go and in the yeah. midwifery <laughs> arena uh, arena there's always going to be mothers that we're going to want with their children and that that's yeah. true of the midwifery arena However, bringing that into the into the forefront for perhaps the next march, you know, the next march to have it be more yeah. inclusive. How would how how will we do how will we do that, Jennifer? How are you and I going to make a difference there? I don't know, but I, you know, one other thing is that at that women's march, it was so massive, and I could see where moms maybe just didn't want to figure out the logistics of dragging their kids downtown and and having that stroller to drag around, and you know, I I get that, and also maybe a little concern about the safety of having a small child with that many people around. So, what I think we need to have is a. Um, a bicycle parade incarnation for kids. Oh, they do it. They do it at the 4th of July parade. They have like the kitty bicycle parade. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to just make those things be more like, yeah, this is what is awesome. This is what we should do. You know, I, I think like building those things up and really celebrating those families and, and the, the safety of childhood, you know, the fact that our culture can, can have a little, kitty bike parade and it's safe and these children are so nurtured because there's so many good families in this valley that is something to celebrate like i that makes me really excited yeah and then in duval we also have the march of the vegetables i which, know are you going to that <laughs> i am this year it will be my first it will be my first year going to it uh, uh intentionally it was like i was saw a bit of it one time but it wasn't on my radar but this time i think that is incredible the march of the vegetables yes yeah we're so lucky we are so lucky that is such an important thing to be having right here in our communities and it is the community level that these all yes. these things are activated on you know yeah it really is <laughs> Huh. Um, and from the the standpoint of your family socializing with other people, is there a common group or is it, do you have a common group that you participate in as a family? Um, I have, so we're homeschoolers, uh, but we are homeschoolers through the, the district parade program. So, like, my kids go every Monday, they have their classroom time at the incarnation at the RLC mm -hmm. building, and that's where the parade program is. So, um, on Mondays, they, which is why I can talk to you in a sane way right now, <laughs> they're all at classroom time. So, um, on Mondays, they go do that. Then I do homeschool work with them Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and on Thursdays, we have park day, homeschool park day, and we meet at Tolt McDonald, and there are five families that go. It's 18 people total. Um, 
and mostly kids. Um, <laughs> husbands don't come so much, but it would be very easy to tie them in. But it's not their thing. It's another women's tradition. Mm-hmm. It's a women's tradition to get together with kids in a big group like that. And so uh, these moms are awesome. Uh, we take turns where one mom each week brings hot lunch. We have a hot lunch wow. program. So one family brings hot lunch each week to Tolt McDonald Park. And we set it up, and then the kids all eat lunch. Um, and the, the most awesome thing is that everybody's really dedicated to it. So they all, like all the kids, um, all the families are really good about, you know, the kids have to eat whatever is brought. Mm-hmm. Nobody brings extra food for yeah. their kid to, like, snack on. You know, it's, like, really respectful. Um Usually, uh, um, so we have a schedule. So if you're not bringing the hot lunch, you might be bringing a craft that week. So we have like a craft, but mostly the kids just run. They just run (laughs) wild. It's like unstructured, lightly supervised playtime for them. I think that is so important for kids right now. So we do that every Thursday, rain or shine. We have bought all the, all the families have bought the, you know, outdoor school clothing sort of stuff so that we can be outside. Um, and that has been amazing. So that, like getting everyone on board and everybody just being really into it and sticking with it and coming every week. It's amazing. Like, I'm, I'm very proud of that group. That is a wonderful group. I love that so much. That yeah. sense of community and play, and all, as you have described, play with a group of kids. Where's that mm-hmm. happening? I, I mean, know. You have soccer, you have this, you have that, you have all these other isolated, everybody's doing the same thing, but just imaginative outside play, whatever yep. it is, is such a, it's a lost art. I think it, it, it could be a lost art. I'm so thankful. And, yes. And then the moms catch up with each other. We analyze all the doings of the valley. We break it down. We figure it out. We solve problems. It's amazing. Yeah, so. <laughs> and you have that time when you're relating to other adults, which yes. is an aspect of being a mom that is also not well nurtured if you're not having social gatherings yes yeah wow that's right that is tremendous i love that that is so exciting yeah yeah is there is there uh any what do i want to say um is there any concerns you have with starting again with a a new baby at <laughs> yes i was like <laughs> I, I just like a couple days ago i was like oh yeah we have to buy baby clothes oh god and that you know that used to be such an exciting thing like oh i need to buy the baby clothes and now i'm like oh no where am i gonna put all these baby clothes <laughs> and i'm trying to be like really minimalist in my head about what gear i'm gonna get you know It'll be great. It'll, It'll be, be great. great. It's such an yeah. adventure. It's such yeah. an adventure. And the way that the creation has come for you has been so intriguing. You know, yeah. It's all come in sets. You know, they just come in sets. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> that oh is gosh. delightful. It really is. And to be that vibrant. Uh, how old is your oldest again? He's 20. He's 20. So yeah. you may very well raise children alongside grandchildren. I know. You know? We're going to be the family where the uncle is getting, you know, in diapers with his, <laughs> his nephew. <laughs> I think that's rich. I really do. I think that's so rich. I thought, I honestly thought I would have 12. I went to, yeah. my cousins had 12 and it, it was the funnest place on earth. You know, yes. just to go there, it was always a blast. And I thought I would too. I only have six, but I, well, you know, I got halfway there. 
yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wow, I so appreciate the the um, have such admiration for the lifestyle. And well, uh, mm -hmm. I have time for all these kids and everything I do because I quit. Uh, I basically have quit watching TV, mm -hmm. and I don't go on social media anymore. And mm -hmm. I cannot believe how much time I have. Like it's mm -hmm. crazy, and so. Um, you know, it's just the, the time of life I'm in right now. I, if I, if I cut out the screen time for myself, then everything else I'm doing is easier. I think, you know, eventually my kids will be older and I'll get more into binge watching Netflix shows and stuff. But <laughs> right now, um, I'm just kind of on their schedule and it's good because it's not forever. It's just a, it's just a little phase in life and it's, it's a fun time, so I feel really lucky. Well, of course, in being immersed in the in the uh, curriculum of homeschooling, that's what you're up to. I mean, right? Yes. You know, I I think I would have to study pretty hard, particularly in math, for me. <laughs> for me, I would have to study pretty hard to be able to be supportive to my kids as they are learning more and more and things and things yeah but it's a I it was a it is a a wonderful thing and I know several families that do and I probably even know families that you're getting together with every Thursday even That's though probably. I didn't know I it I know you do actually I do yeah. I do <laughs> I love that I love that that was just such a, a wonderful plan to come up with and to do uh, so rich so rich yeah. are there other things that you have on your mind that you want to share with us today about the about anything this is your forum you get to share with us whatever's on your mind and on your heart well I don't know if anyone listening needs to hear this but um having your baby at home is really the best thing you can do if you can do it and um i just think it's the healthiest way to have the baby and um healthy for mom i just feel so blessed that i've been able to do it four times well three times except for that dumb hospital situation but uh you know i I've, I've been very lucky with my birds. I've had a very healthy birds. So um, I think if you've been, if anyone's thinking about it, they should just go for it. I will say my last birth was, that was the two and a half hour birth. It yes. was like first, from first contraction yeah. to baby in my arms <laughs> yeah. was like two and a half hours. Yeah. And so I don't think I could make it to the hospital. Like I'm a no. little worried. Um, there's that horrible Monty Python sketch where the lady's like standing at the sink washing dishes and the ba she's just like baby comes out and her kids catch it and then she just keeps washing dishes. I mean, I'm going to be like that lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's a, that's a valid concern. It's a valid yeah. concern to have the, to have a labor that goes that, and you know, labors that go that fast. It's because it's, it, it just is, it just is how it can happen. You yeah. just, uh, you know, it's just fast and furious isn't always the most comfortable way to go, but it right. still is, you know, and the, and it, I, how the, the biggest point is, is, is if your home is your sanctuary, yeah, if your home is your sanctuary, then that's the most sacred place to be. So, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid that for a lot of people, their home is not their sanctuary. And, yeah, that's true. And, yeah. And I and just like you did with Phil, you mm -hmm. had to kind of have him comfortable. When my the love of my life, when we had our first child together, he too was not so comfortable with a home birth. I had not had a home birth though. At that yeah. point, I had not had one. They were all natural births, but I not had a home birth. Right. It was at that point I wanted one. However, we chose the birthing room. We were in the hospital less than four hours. Yeah. Birth to home. It was 
It was Christmas Eve. We went home and decorated oh. the Christmas tree. I mean, it was amazing. But oh. anyway, the point is the the next the next two um, were definitely no. I've had one home birth. Let me not lie to you. Oh, the next one. Okay, so I had to wait. I was a woman in waiting for my home birth. The next <laughs> pregnancy. We didn't have a good date to date the, because I didn't do ultrasounds. No need to do that. And my yeah. midwife was concerned that I was post-dates. And so I had my my son with a very, very uh, midwife-like, the most midwife-like position that I've ever been with. It was wonderful. And hey. had my son there. And Kyle was my only home birth. But I yeah. so agree with you. Being home attended, you know, there's some people that are pouting and talking about having free birthing and not having an attendant. The reason that you have an attendant isn't because you don't know what you do with your body. You have an attendant there to be watching for everyone and everything and just yes. to be a safeguard. And as you know, I didn't interfere with a single thing because there was nothing that had to have any attention to it, you know. Yeah. But, but, but to have that, to have that, that skilled provider nearby, is very important. It's just yeah. very important. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. So thank you, though, for sharing that from your heart, you know, in terms yeah. of it is the most it is the most wonderful place to be. It's not, yeah. you know, birth wherever it happens is always going to be sacred. There's not a birth that's <laughs> not sacred to me. However, again, if where you are is where you are the most comfortable, then that is the place to be. That's just the place yeah. to be open on up and let that out now i just want to ask a question because you are a farmer and because you do sell some produce and wonderful turkeys and things of that sort yeah that is i would love you to just give us another moment or two of your time to to really speak to the value of knowing where your food is coming from yes okay um Okay, well, oh well, I have a lot to say about this. I we know you do, and we should. I know. <laughs> we may, we may, we may. Right now, we we need to declare we'll have a, a future session on another okay. Monday, and you can use the whole episode for that purpose because this yeah. needs to be out there. So go ahead. Okay. I okay. I really feel like. Um, uh, I okay. I have well. So mine is a voice of. Of real privilege. Okay. Um, what? Uh, you know, I. Okay. All right. I don't know how to say this. Um, that it's so important to have a local food system because so much of our food is imported. Like even as someone who raises, like we raise all our own meat. Um, we raise. We grow vegetables. I. We harvest a lot. We process a lot we save a lot um i freeze a lot i still go to costco every month okay because mm -hmm. i have a big family we eat a lot i cannot believe how much people eat like having raised food and seeing how far it can go we eat a lot and um it takes a lot to feed people to feed big groups of people we don't always have the like our farm cannot sustain the demand that's out there like I can help some families, right? Like, but I can't sustain even a fraction of Duval. And we really need a good local food system for when we have those uh, scary emergencies, like we have something kind of built in. So I really encourage people, uh, I don't know if this is exactly what you wanted, but I, I really encourage people to, um, try at least once a month to buy one local product because it helps the whole system stay active and growing. Um, so if you buy eggs from a farmer in the valley once a month, you're doing your part. If you buy some produce this summer at the farmer's market just once, 
you're doing your part, you know, um, but just sort of signing up for once a month or $40 a month or, you know, whatever you can handle, just have one little part of your food, uh, your food base be local. And that really helps to build up that the system in our valley. We are so lucky. We live in this farming valley. There's a lot of people who have acreage that can grow stuff. It is kind of a challenging climate to grow in because it's a very short growing season, but, but we can do a lot. And um, so we're lucky and we have water. Yeah, so local food, knowing where your food comes from is really good. Um, yeah. Everybody can do one thing. And we're supporting yeah. whole communities. There's nothing yes. more environmental than staying local. That is the only environmental. Thank you so much. Thank it's, you. It was it, fun. Yeah, it, and we will do this again soon. Mm -hmm.